Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. everybody happy bite your nails day and welcome to the news agenda with me fleet street fox and today i'm joined by the mirror's deputy political editor ben glaze who's about to have a very very busy 24 hours morning ben morning hello yeah cancelled dinner plans busy day Look <laughs> up the red bull and the biscuits now <coughs> this is the people's paper review so get into the comments ask us your questions we're going to be relying on you today because i've only had time to write half a script because the news has been breaking as we were preparing for this uh, those of you listening later on podcast i'm afraid you can't comment you're just going to have to open a window and howl at the moon so what have we got today well, uh, the mirror has splashed on the end of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations, which all went off very well, especially if you were Paddington Bears manager or owned the copyright. Uh, and inside on page 15 is a fine example of the art of political writing by one Mr. Glaze, uh, which is predicting on Sunday night what's going to happen in the next few days and then finding on Monday morning it's already completely out of date. Now, uh, so we've had confirmation this morning that more than 54 letters of no confidence in the prime minister have now gone into the 1922 committee, which triggers a vote in his leadership. Now, Ben, take us through this. This is your story. And you've been working this morning and finding out the latest. So what's going on? That's right. Well, yesterday um, we started to get the impression that the threshold may have been crossed. This is 15 percent of the Conservative Parliamentary Party. Um, has to write to Sir Graham Brady, who's the chairman of the 1922 committee, uh, saying that they want a confidence vote in Boris Johnson's leadership. Uh, that equates to 54 MPs, given the current size of the party. Um, and then this morning, it started to become apparent that things were moving really quite quickly um, and that a vote was going to take place today. So just after eight o'clock, uh, Sir Graham stood in front of the TV camera and announced that the threshold had been reached and that a vote will take place tonight between 6 and 8pm. The votes will be counted immediately afterwards and we can expect an announcement probably around about half past eight this evening. Um, it's a big day for Boris Johnson, it's a big day for Conservative MPs who have to decide basically whether or not they want him to continue leading the party and realistically that would mean leading the party into the next general election. Crikey. OK, let's unpack this a bit then. Um, now, keep asking, ask us your questions, everybody. What do you think about the vote of no confidence? Do you think he's going to win it? Do you think he's going to walk it? Do you think he's going to have problems? Let us know. Um, but first off, Ben, how does a journalist, because people are going to ask this, they're going to pick up on it. How does a journalist, and I quote, get the impression that someone is going to say something that they have very carefully not told anybody yet? Is it because, you know, Graham Brady had booked the TV camera and words started to get out? No, it wasn't so much that. Oh, I felt it in my water this morning. You just <laughs> something is going to happen, and you, you just generally get a feel for things. You know, whether it's receiving messages or just what you're hearing, what you're picking up. And it, it did. 
the, the MPs have been back in their constituencies for the past 10 days because Parliament's been in recess, which was part of their half-term Whitson break and also the Platinum uh, Jubilee Bank holiday. So normally that presents an opportunity for, if there's been a lot going on in Parliament in Westminster, things calm down a bit, it dials down the rhetoric, if you like. Um, that didn't happen this time. MPs were back in their constituencies, they were going to various jubilee events crucially they were meeting voters they were hearing what their constituents were saying and it appears that for at least 54 of them probably quite a few more i think um it wasn't great what they were hearing what the, the voters thought of boris johnson um this is all to do with party gate which obviously the mirror first revealed uh, last november that's been building up his reaction to the sue gray reports into those bashes in downing street there's also the cost of living crisis going on and the Conservatives face uh, two by-elections later this month, but they could lose both, or they certainly lose one, and they could lose another. Um, and they're very different by-elections, those. One's in a red wall in Wakefield in West Yorkshire. The other's in what the Lib Dems have called the Conservative blue wall, down in Devon, in Tiverton and Honiton. Now, they're very different electorates, very different wings of the party. If Boris Johnson manages to lose both of those, then it really does say a lot for how he's being assailed, if you like, from both sides of the electorate um, and it will worry an awful lot of Conservative MPs and quite clearly some of them have think already this is enough so they've they've written their letters to Sir Graham um, and demanded this uh, confidence ballot which will take place this evening. Okay and it's also worth pointing out that both those by-elections are being held because of Tory sleaze that lovely perennial of tabloid newspapers the one about tractor porn and the other one about a conviction for child abuse so uh, you know, not great stuff um, now, Patricia uh, is here and Patricia says it's too early. The vote should have been taken after the June by-elections that Ben's just mentioned, when there would potentially have been a larger number of malcontents. Johnson has deliberately picked tonight to save his miserable skin. Um, now, it goes back to what you were saying there about getting the impression, Ben, and sort of just sort of putting things together generally from what other people are saying to you. Johnson, of course, didn't pick the moment to go over the 54 letters. Um, and so that is Graham Brady's decision to hold it now. Uh, but it is the rebels' poor decision, perhaps, to have gone now before the elections, because as Patricia points out, he's now got to win this, you know, the no confidence vote. So we've had the whispers that sort of started last week in the wake of Sue Gray's report. And the fevered sort of speculation mounted during the weekend and the crunch is finally coming tonight. But now he needs the simple majority of half the parliamentary party plus one to win, um, to win his confidence vote. So that's 180, I think. Is he going to do that? And is Patricia right? Would he have found it far harder after those by-elections? Yeah, so there are 359 Conservative MPs at the moment. So to win with a simple majority of one, that's 180. Um, there's almost 150 odd uh, MPs are on what's called the government payroll. So they're secretaries of state, ministers, junior ministers or parliamentary private secretaries. Now, all those should be assumed to be loyal. Not all of them will be. Some of them may have already written letters demanding this vote in the first place. It's a secret ballot. So there's no way of knowing. Right now in Downing Street, the chief whip and other whips are with Boris Johnson, crunching the numbers. I would imagine Grant Shapps is probably there as well because he ran a spreadsheet in the 2019 leadership campaign um, showing sort of how many Conservative MPs were uh, pro-Boris Johnson, how many were in other 
leadership candidates camps. So they'll be going through the numbers and doing a lot of ringing around trying to generate support or bolster support among um, those MPs who they think might be wavering. Do you think it's quite different with this uh, Prime Minister? Because he's so divisive, people, Conservative MPs, will have already made up their mind. I would imagine there is little that the Prime Minister or others can say to any MP that will persuade them not to vote no confidence in the Prime Minister tonight because so many people have already made up their minds. Um, now, Patricia's point about waiting till after the June the 23rd by-elections, I think she's right. Um, if Boris Johnson lost both those by-elections, there are some MPs who may have thought he was an electoral asset and hold their nose and stick with him. Remember, he did deliver that 80-seat majority uh, just in December 2019, which was two and a half years ago. Um, so even they, you know, they might disagree with how he's behaved over Partygate, might not like his style of leadership. If he wins elections, it doesn't matter. Wait and see what the by-election results are come the early hours of June the 24th, and it may make a case for keeping him or getting rid of him. But by crossing the threshold now, which may have happened accidentally, because this is not a coordinated um, attempt, there's no ringleader telling people, you write today, you write tomorrow, you do one this evening, you do one this afternoon. The MPs are sending the letters of their own accord. They will not know how many others have done it. So they wouldn't have known at what point that threshold would be crossed. And Sir Graham this morning in his statement, he made it very clear that some MPs had written their letters saying, I only want you to take this into account after the Jubilee Bank holiday weekend because no one wanted to do anything to overshadow the, uh, the Queen's festivities. Um, now that threshold has been crossed, and it was obviously crossed a few days ago, um, now that contest will take place. The MPs will be judging without knowing the results of the June 23rd elections. Um, I would imagine those, those by-election results will only add fuel to the fire of the cause for him to go rather than persuade people that he could stay because he could still win the next election. Um, but we won't know now because once this vote takes place, theoretically and under the current rules, the prime minister, the leader of the party is protected from another confidence vote for 12 months. Um, and just on the timing, um, Graham Brady spoke to the prime minister last night to tell him that the threshold had been crossed. And then the 1922 committee, so Sir Graham, and number 10, the Prime Minister, they just they agree together when the contest should be held. And nobody wants this to drag on, you know, whether or not one had plans for this evening is irrelevant. Um, they want <laughs> to get it out of the way tonight. And the earliest possible opportunity um, normally would be like 24 to 36 hours after the announcement. It's actually going to take place at 6 o'clock this evening. So it will be all over and done with, Prime Minister hopes, um, later this evening. So we'll actually then, Patricia's right in a way, because having it now is very fortunate for the Prime Minister. This is lucky for him because this happens before he goes to the actual the general public and asks for their opinion of his party mid-term in these two by-elections. And as we saw, and as Carrie looked a bit upset about as well, uh, when they walked into St Paul's over the weekend for the Platinum Jubilee, they did get boos and they got boos not from your socialists, not from your Labour supporting, you know, heart of heart of the working class. They got it from the flag waving, we love the Queen mob, who are usually not going to go around booing people. Um, so that was that was the thing at the moment, I think, that most people realise this is 
perhaps a bit more serious than just a bit of uh, manoeuvring. Now, we've had all this uh, stuff last week uh, and we've got some more questions today, obviously. And Mike was just asking one, which has disappeared. So I'm going to sort of sum it up because he's done what he always does and says what I'm about to say. Um, but does this does winning the leadership vote actually mean that he retains power, which is the point of his job? So Mike says, if Johnson survives narrowly, will he do a May and cling on for a few months before being forced out anyway? If you win the no confidence vote, does it mean you've actually lost? Because Theresa May, as Mike says, resigned a few months after winning hers fairly comfortably. She won out with 80 your votes, didn't she? But because she was left so badly wounded later on by the EU elections that she'd obviously lost the confidence of a party and there was no need for a further vote at that point. Yeah. Um, in in 20, uh, it was December 2018, Theresa May faced a vote of confidence after weeks and weeks and several you know, months of um, Brexit paralysis, really in Parliament, unable to get her uh, withdrawal deal through past her own party. Um, she won that vote with a two-thirds majority, so far more than she needed, but power had already drained away. She still couldn't get that deal through. So five months later, she announced that she would go um, you, you know, she set a date for leaving and triggering the contest, which led to Boris Johnson becoming prime minister, even though she would have been protected from another leadership vote until December 2019. Mm -hmm. um, you think back to Thatcher, she won on the first ballot of MPs um, back in 1990. But because her majority was smaller than many thought she would, uh, she would command, the, the men in grey suits, as they were dubbed, they, they went through and said, the game's up. You know, you might have won, but you, you clearly haven't got enough support within the party to wield power. Now, it's very different with Boris Johnson because, number 10, admittedly they would say this, but they were making it clear that if he wins, he stays. It doesn't matter what the numbers are. He will carry on. His mandate comes from the voters who gave him an 80-seat majority back mm -hmm. in the 2019 at the general election. It's only two and a half years in the parliament. It's still two and a half years to go. Lots to be done. Obviously, two years of the parliament was basically written off because of COVID and the pandemic. If he wins, he will think that's enough. I carry on. It won't be like that because you'll have scores of MPs will have decided, already scores of them have decided they don't have confidence in the prime minister. How then... Do those MPs, I mean, there was a, a letter this morning from Jesse Norman, who was a former minister and his husband of Kate Bingham, who is responsible for the vaccine rollout, which Boris Johnson claims credit for all the time. Jesse Norman's letter calling for a letter to the prime minister is excoriating. He says, you know, you provide, uh, presided over a culture of law breaking in number 10. His uh, defence of the uh, Sue Gray report and uh, way to try and exculpate himself, he brands that grotesque. It's a, it's a really stinging letter. And Jesse Norton is not a, a renowned troublemaker. Um, so if you've got people like that speaking in such vicious terms about Boris Johnson, well, you know, the problem, he's not going to be alone, Jesse Norman, in thinking these things and voting to get rid of the Prime Minister tonight. So even if no. Boris wins... His power will have drained and he will know that X number of MPs do not want him to be their leader. How do you carry on to the next general election when those same MPs, if Boris Johnson is still uh, their leader, knock on doors saying send this man back to, to number 10 for another five years? Because then the constituents, the voters say, well, hang on a minute, a few years ago you were saying you should go. 
So yeah. well, that, that makes them, of course, like with Douglas Ross, the Scottish leader, who first called for him to go and then said he should stay and then says he should go at some point. It makes the person calling look weak rather than the prime minister, who is at least consistent, I suppose, perhaps. Um, and he was never a party man, was he, Boris Johnson? He's not of the party and the grassroots. He's not a natural conservative, despite all his poshness. Um, and a lot of those who are, the, the true blues don't really trust him because of that. They, they think he's, you know, the prime minister or the leader of the Boris party, basically. But does that play into his chances of uh, coming through this and winning back some kind of power? Because he's always had a splintered party. He's never had the total unquestioning support of his party, because like you said, they only really backed him because he was electoral dynamite and, you know, he, he could he could win this. Um, obviously, that if that if he loses that, then they will take their support away from him. But uh, he's also very used to and very experienced at um, buying off different groups of MPs. And if we do see, perhaps, like you said, there's 150, 160 Tories who are on the government payroll. If they want to vote against him tonight, any of them, there'll be perhaps a wave of resignations later on today. And if they do that, if a few ministers do go so they can vote no confidence in him, there will be some spaces in government that he can then use to promote other people to buy their support in this no confidence vote. And if he's got this experience and he's got this habit of trading things in return for people's support rather than expecting loyalty perhaps but actually kind of buying them in does that mean perhaps he can he can still do that can't he i don't think he can because people tory mps they know what boris johnson is like now and if you're if you're promising Surely they've always known what he was like come on yeah, yeah. Just for you knew what he was like the, the relationship between Boris and the party has always been completely transactional. He used the Conservative Party to become Prime Minister. The Conservative Party used him to keep Jeremy Corbyn out and to stay in power. There's no great love within the Conservative Party for Boris Johnson, apart from some of the activists who, back in the day, really, really did love him. I remember going to conference when uh, Johnson was just, a, there was London Mayor, and he, you know, barnstorming speeches, the adulation from the grassroots activists, that was huge. That's changed now. You know, they put their faith in him and he, as they see it, has betrayed them over Partygate. Um, you know, he's not a natural Conservative, as you said. This is a chap, you know, the Conservative Party is a church of England, etc., etc. Um, it's a chap who's on his third wife, um, you know, has at least seven children by um, three different women. So these aren't natural Conservative values. He's also, before you know, pandering to the hard right of the Conservative Party. He's pro-immigration. When he was London Mayor, he was usually pro-immigration, wanting, you know, an expansion of visas. Um, he is metropolitan in that respect. He's also, I remember being in Parliament when, um, when in one of the bars, and Johnson came in, um, we, when he was uh, an MP, recently returned to Parliament, having um, stood, uh, having finished as London Mayor, and just won a by-election, um, to, to go back to the Commons. And he went into the bar and he didn't really know anyone. Um, there was no sort of like, oh, Boris, it's great to see you back, or how's it going, old chap, or anything. He looked a bit awkward. So he, he's not really into that sort of, bizarrely, given what we know about Partygate, he's not actually into that sort of social work in the room thing. Um, and yeah, the Conservative Party's up with him yeah. to, to win an election. And now they've 
some of them have had enough of him. Yeah, and he just doesn't have very many friends in the party, I think. Now, Mike says, uh, the payroll vote is a huge advantage to a prime minister, even given that some will secretly vote against him. Many know their jobs totally reliant on him staying put. And it's a job, of course, which means you get double the salary, near enough. Um, so if, you, if you're on facing going to 80 grand a year, when uh, you could be on more than 100 grand a year, which way would you vote? <clears throat> Especially there's a cost of living crisis coming up. Uh, it depends, of course, on lots of different things. Now, um, if Boris wins this vote, then he still has to win over this splintered, angry party that's fearful of losing seats in a couple of years in a general election in both the blue wall and the red wall, like you said. Uh, and he's got two by-elections coming up in both of them at the end of this month. So he's on course, they're saying at the moment, to lose, as you said, at least one, possibly both. So if he wins tonight, um, and that if he still loses those, that then gets us into the long summer recess. And what on earth is going to happen then? Because we're, the Privileges Committee is coming back with its opinion of Partygate in autumn. So this actually could well drag on till maybe Christmas time. 2022, maybe even takes in a 2023, and then we're only a year away from the general election, which means when the voters do go to that vote, they go to the ballot box, this is what they're just, your and my phones are just going mad this morning while we're on air, and neither of us can look at our messages. Um, but this is how, you know, it's not going to go away in time for the next general election, is it? No, it, it won't go away at all. Like a line has been crossed. Like, to have this uh, contest this evening, obviously a threshold has been crossed, but a line has been crossed. Once you have this, there is no going back. All the malcontents, all the anger, all the dismay, the disaffection, you know, MPs will be out in front of TV cameras, radio microphones, talking to print journalists, um, you know, dripping poison about the PM from then on. And the power, the authority will drain away. You mentioned the Privileges Committee will come back in the autumn, might even coincide with the Conservative Party conference. These two by-elections, um, you know, they're, they're a huge test for the for the government. Um, the majority in Wakefield is about three and a half thousand, and it only became Conservative um, in December 2019. It was being late before that. Labour expect to take it back um, on June the 23rd. The Conservative held seats of Tiverton and Honiton in Devon. I was down there last week talking to the Liberal Democrat candidate and also to voters. It was really interesting hearing from voters. And, you know, that's a safe Conservative seat. That is part of, you know, the countryside. People have always voted Conservative there. Talking to some of the voters, they really, really dislike what Johnson has done. Um, they're dismayed over Partygate. And really hearing, they felt let down they felt betrayed you know the people who said i voted for him i can't do it again um they're not even sure who they want to vote for they're not some of them you know they're not going to be voting labor some of them are thinking liberal democrats a lot of them are like i'm just not voting for boris johnson i'm not voting for the conservatives because of him and that's changed so much um from talking to people in the run-up to the 2019 general election and the immediate aftermath where they specifically mentioned Boris Johnson as a reason to vote for the Conservative Party, you know, particularly in those red wall areas of the, of the North and the Midlands, where, you know, I'm from South Wales. Voting Conservative in the Valleys constituencies in South Wales, you know, it's a dirty word. People wouldn't do it. And they didn't um, in, the, in the general election in the South Wales Valleys. But there were very similar seats, you know, coal mines, steelworks, harking back to heavy industry. 
in the Midlands, in the north, those industrial areas where previously they hadn't voted Conservative, but for Boris Johnson, they did. And now the calculation that red wall MPs need to make this afternoon, tonight, when they, they vote at six o'clock, is whether or not Boris Johnson, who helped you win your seat in December 2019, is now more or less likely to help you win your seat. Like lots of those red wall uh, seats will go back to Labour. It's just a question of how many and whether or not it will be enough to deny the Conservatives a majority or even give Labour an outright majority. Um, but Conservative MPs in some of those seats who convinced themselves that they were the candidate, they, you know, the, the voters voted for them. Well, a lot of those voters didn't vote for those candidates. And in some cases, we'd be hard-pressed to name the candidate whose box they crossed on the ballot paper. They would have voted for Boris Johnson's Conservatives and they would have done it. Because remember the unique set of circumstances we had in December 2019. Jeremy Corbyn was leading Labour, massively unpopular leader in the country, as it turns out. Um, Brexit, Conservatives said, let's get Brexit done. And oh, I've, got, I've got flashbacks. Don't, don't do it. I want to forget about all of that. <laughs> the electorate had become weary of Brexit. And then Boris Johnson was leading the Conservatives, which made, which made it for some people who would never have countenanced it before, acceptable to vote Conservative. Now, at the next general election, two of those three things, Corbyn and Brexit, won't be issues. Will Boris Johnson still be the leader? And if he is, is he an asset or a liability? That's the calculation that Conservative MPs voting confidence or no confidence in the Prime Minister tonight will be making today. And that's one of the reasons we've got this new organisation called Better for Britain, which is created in uh, a few places today, which is going to be... Um, producing i think it's produced already a website actually where you can put in your constituency and they will tell you who to vote for in order to get rid of the conservatives so not who to vote for because like you were saying ben people don't necessarily want to vote for labor or the lib dems or they're not very impressive but if they are told this gets rid of boris they'll go right i'm going to vote yellow i'm going to vote red i'm going to vote green whatever i need to do in this constituency to vote against the government not for an opposition party of any sort that's right. This is um, an exclusive interview I did with Naomi Smith, who's the chief executive of Best for Britain. Um, did it last week and it's in today's paper with a, a much bigger version online, if I can uh, do a bit of self-promotion. always are. Yeah, I have the same thing. She, uh, she talks very passionately about um, the system that Best for Britain will use at the next election whereby you'll be able to type in your postcode, it'll come up with what constituency um, you live in, uh, and they'll tell you which candidate to vote for if you want to keep the Conservatives out, if you want to oust Boris Johnson, and that will include uh, seats that the Conservatives currently hold or one brilliant which they could win. And for a lot of people, because Boris Johnson is so divisive, you know, that Marmite character, um, they won't necessarily care about Keir Starmer being Prime Minister or the Liberal Democrats being well represented in Parliament or the Greens. All they'll care about is getting Boris Johnson out. And that sort of tactical voting, which Best for Britain are, are promoting, um, that, they say, will be the best way to get Boris Johnson out of Downing Street. If, of course, he survives that long, um, which he may not. But it becomes an issue then of what, what, what's voters' priority? Is it to have a Labour government? Is it to get rid of Boris Johnson? Is it to have a coalition? Which of course, you can't vote for coalitions in this country, but we do end up with them from time to time. Um, so that's what Best for Britain uh, are talking about. And that's what Naomi Smith, their, uh, their boss, was uh, talking to about last week. I'm being interested to see how much influence that has. Now, <clears throat> 
Steve here uh, says if he loses, he talks about a couple of things which are, you know, you don't get mentioned all this stuff, really. And what's not going to be discussed very much, I should think. So Steve says today, if he loses the no confidence vote, the last thing we need is the instability and distraction of a leadership contest. The economy will suffer because Steve's right. I mean, Steve is um, the descendant of a nuclear test veteran who the Mirror and I campaigned for and have done for years uh, and are hoping for a meeting with the prime minister, depending who that prime minister is by the end of the week um, <clears throat> or next week or whenever. Uh, but you know, we managed to get through the whole platinum jubilee that anybody talking about the nuclear test, even though that also happened in 1952 and is the reason the Queen had such a long and prosperous reign. And Steve is talking about, you know, the economy and the effect of a leadership challenge. So on the worldwide stage, Boris Johnson facing a leadership challenge over partying will seem a bit frivolous, perhaps. Uh, if that is replaced by someone else, what does that mean for the war in Ukraine? Because there are lots of perhaps European countries whose support for Ukraine could wither away a bit if they're not being shown to look bad by the UK's support and the UK's encouragement for Ukraine. So if you don't have Boris Johnson in charge, if you have someone else who perhaps also starts to waver a bit on the support for Vladimir Zelensky against Putin, what does that mean for Ukraine? What does it mean for our economy, which is already doing quite badly? Um, it is going to be, if, if he loses, there would be a long, long summer, painful summer involving Liz Truss. Um, and it's not going to be very good for anybody. So are we finding ourselves in the situation, Ben, where we actually need to pray for Boris to win? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the instability issue, that, that is very true. And, you know, the economy is already suffering, but very high inflation compared with how it's been for the past 30 years. Um, interest rates are rising. Uh, we've got stagflation coming. Um, although it should be said that the FTSE, when I looked earlier this morning, was up 1.3% following the, the <laughs> conference vote. Whether or not that's cause or effect, who knows. Um, yeah, the instability issue and how we are perceived on the world stage, that is important because pretty much since Brexit, everyone's thought we're a bit of a chaotic country. Not necessarily because of Brexit, but because of the political fallout unleashed by Brexit. You know, we, we could feasibly have our fourth prime minister in six and a bit years um, later this summer. Um, the six-week leadership contest that would uh, unfold once the Conservative Party, Parliamentary Party, got down to the final two candidates. I mean, it'd be great for journalists like me going around the country to all these hustings again. It'd be fun, although probably not as much fun as last time. Um, but yes, it wouldn't, it wouldn't cast us in a great light. And the other thing to bear in mind is this month is a very busy month for international diplomacy. The Prime Minister is due to attend three international summits um, in the space of eight, nine days later this month. So first of all, you'll be going to the Commonwealth Heads of Government Summit um, in Rwanda. And then from there he goes, I'm just trying to remember this in order because... Uh, He's in the hospital uh, in Rwanda. I'm <laughs> remembering where I'm supposed to be <laughs> Is he taking his migrants with him on the plane to Rwanda or is he going to be playing for an uh, plane? It's a very small plane. I don't think there'll be space for the illegal migrants coming over the <laughs> um, So Rwanda first. Then he's off to the G7 summit in Bavaria. Um, and then from there, it's to Madrid for the NATO summit, which is obviously going to be huge because of the war in the Ukraine. Um, and you mentioned whether or not uh, a successor to Boris Johnson is likely to have the same... Uh, 
full-throated support for Volodymyr Zelensky? I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, there's a consensus within Parliament, not just within the Conservative Party, that we're doing the right thing by arming Ukraine and helping them to, to fight the Russian invaders. But Boris Johnson has been, and most people would acknowledge this, to be fair, um, has been very passionate and very vocal in his support and the force of personality that uh, Boris projects um, in, his, in his support for the Ukraine. Well, others can't do that because they've not got his personality and his character um, flawed, though it is. He is he is able to demonstrate massive support. And I think probably most people would say the biggest support from a Western ally of Ukraine. Um, if you ended up with sort of Jeremy Hunt, a former foreign secretary, well, he's not as charismatic as Boris Johnson, is he? He might still send the arms. Um, would he be able to demonstrate his uh, his passion and support for Kiev in the same way? Probably not. And would he have influence by virtue of trying to persuade other Western leaders? Again, probably not, because he hasn't got that force of personality, um, which would be a price you pay. Uh, but you would get probably stability and just <laughs> end the chaos in Downing Street if you had a different leader. Well, you, you, you get rid of a journalist in Downing Street who's drinking, and that apparently takes everybody by surprise. Uh, and you would have, like, basically a spoon in Downing Street instead and see what that happens. But uh, I hate to think of the idea of Jeremy Hunt being passionate about anything because it brings me out in hives. Now, um, Lorraine says, do you think speed of the vote being this evening rather than later in the week disadvantages Boris, as in he has less time to schmooze and bribe and persuade? That plays both ways, doesn't it, Ben? Because there's also less time to plot. Yeah, and I, I don't think it matters because I think if you're a Conservative MP and you don't already know how you're going to vote this evening, well... What are you waiting for? You know, you're either a Johnson loyalist and he can do no wrong. You'll stick with him come what may. The or you think chaos and party gate and what are we doing with this chap? And you're going to vote to get him out. I don't think the few hours that, that there are this morning or this afternoon for him to do the ring round, I don't think it'll make a blind bit of difference. I mean, if you're promising some backbench you're elected in 2019, ooh, you could be a parliamentary private secretary if you vote to stick with me. I mean, do they care that much? And PPS rolls are unpaid anyway, and that's the first rung on the ladder. Um, there's a fascinating bit in Je uh, Jesse Norman's letter to the PM this morning telling him what telling him why he's disappointed with his leadership for a family show. Um, he says that when Johnson sacked him as a junior minister, he then said, you know, you could come back as a Secretary of State. And that is classic Boris Johnson, sacking him as a junior minister and then going, oh, you know, play your cards right there, you could be in the cabinet. Well, Jesse Norman was not naive enough to swallow that, and the Prime Minister was naive if he thought that he would. Um, now, if he's doing that today, promising baubles to backbench MPs, I mean, they, they'd be insane to believe what he was saying. Um, and I don't, think, I don't think the hours will sway one single MP one way or another. You could hold it now, and it would be the same result as you held it tonight. Held at any point in the next two weeks before those June 23rd elections. Right. So I think we've summed up then pretty much. There's a vote today. Bryce is probably going to win it, but he's probably going to lose one, if not two, by elections at the end of the month. And then he's safe in his job for a year, but completely even in a worse situation than Theresa May to some extent. And then if you want him out early before a general election, you're basically relying on his uh, sense of principle and moral purpose 
Uh, and if otherwise, that you're heading into a general election with um, someone who gets booed at St Paul's Cathedral. So we'll have to see how that all goes, won't we? Now, we do need to get on to the good news because Ben's phone is ringing and he needs to answer that pretty rapidly. So we found some good news for you today. And here it is. Now, on page 23, there's a very important story. A mirror campaign has reached victory. I like being able to say that sort of thing. So uh, we've been campaigning for some time for a ban on ivory trading. Now, it's been illegal to trade uh, newly sawn off ivory, and they do use chainsaws to saw it off. Uh, living animals it's been illegal to trade that for some time but uh we've had a force a bill that's coming into force today following a mirror campaign that means offenders who are dealing in ivory the buying and selling of ivory within the uk and its territories will face unlimited fines and up to five years in jail which is nice um but ben it's not quite as perfect as all that because we were also promised some kind of a ban on uh trophy hunting which is people bringing back a a tusk or a horn of something they've killed themselves on one of these stupid expensive holidays uh, and that's still going to be allowed isn't it yeah that's right so it's good news that this the ban on trading ivory with it's, it's very few exceptions to it that that's coming into force although obviously that does only cover britain not the other parts of the world where ivory is traded far more freely anyway um but in terms of the trophy hunting ban which is separate um the conservatives promised in the december 2019 election manifesto that they would introduce a ban on trophy hunting um and they said it several times since yet in the recent queen's speech it wasn't included last month um and talking to people they say oh it'll come eventually but it's just when parliamentary time allows and that is a, a westminster cliche westminster code for, yeah, it's in the long grass, we'll, we'll do it eventually, but not priority. Um, what's a slightly annoying, certainly in terms of mirror campaign, but also if you care enough to stop trophy hunting, why aren't you doing it now? Um, there's been several private members' bills which have been uh, put forward by backbench MPs, which crop up um, on Fridays in Parliament every now and then, which the government could have thrown its weight behind if they genuinely wanted to do it. And it doesn't... It genuinely doesn't make any sense to me that if he, if they put this in the manifesto, it's an easy win. It would go through, it would fly through Parliament because everyone, the vast majority of people are opposed to it. And we all see these pictures every now and then of, uh, you know, hunters sitting with a massive rifle and a dead lion or, a, I don't know, rhino or whatever. Um, we see those pictures and they could stop it. It would be a simple, easy thing to do. And yet still they don't. It, it's baffling that they won't press ahead with the, the ban on trophy hunting. When they've talked about it, everyone agrees it needs to happen, and there are several easy ways to do it, and yet they still haven't. Now, this picture sitting here uh, is of me nearly 10 years ago when I was thin, uh, and uh, get, handing over £23,000 that had been raised by Mirror Readers um, to help Anne the elephant, uh, Britain's last circus elephant, who actually got stolen away from us by the Daily Mail. We don't talk about that. Uh, we were raised, we had this money raised, and so we gave it to help anti-poaching efforts in West Africa. So uh, Muggins here did get to go to Burkina Faso and go and hunt some elephant poachers. And I got shot at, which was nice. Uh, made a change from just being attacked generally in the street in the UK. Um, but it does show, doesn't it, that the public do want 
this sort of thing banned. They do want to help uh, the wildlife and so on that is being attacked in this way. Perhaps then that is the, the secret, even more good news here. Because although Boris hasn't banned trophy hunting yet, A, he did promise to and got elected for it. So he's got a reason to bring that in sometime soon. B, there's a huge amount of public support for it. So there's no harm for him electorally at the ballot box for doing it. Mm. And C, he really needs the support of his backbenches and the public now. And a weakened prime minister does tend to have to start doing things that please other people. You know, Tony Blair only had to please himself, didn't he? And at the start of his parliamentary uh, term in office, uh, Boris could only please himself because he had a massive majority. He didn't need to worry about anybody else, right? He was electoral, uh, whatever you want to call it, Viagra, right? Everyone loved it. But when you weakened, you do have to start doing things that make other people happy. So maybe we will get the ban on trophy hunting. Maybe he's kept that back and is going to use it to buy off some votes from people some point in the future. Who knows? Well, he might, yeah. I'm not sure it'd be enough to save him a confidence vote if, if that's what they're waiting for. But I do think that it would be politically um, pol- politically popular and resonate with the public. And, of course, the, one of the people he does listen to is Mrs Johnson, who we know Carrie is very big on animal welfare, um, and she's a, she's a supporter of a ban on trophy hunting. So... I shall shall be um, pointing out uh, the mirror's campaign later on, see if it'll get any pick up from it. That's me with a dead elephant uh, and it smelt lovely. Um, But uh, it's, I don't know, I actually got a notepad and um, a little hat on. So that's proper reporting, that is. You wear a hat, you know you're somewhere dangerous. Uh, It was about the time I got shot at actually just then. Uh, Now, thanks for explaining all this to us, Ben. and thank you for all the hard work. You appear to have written the newspaper today and uh, you're going to be writing it again tomorrow, I suspect, from the way your phone's going. Thank you for bearing with us. Thank you, everybody, for taking part. Uh, those of you who are listening later on podcast, please leave us a review so other people can find us. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you all again next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda. Bye-bye.